This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Um, hi everyone. Welcome to Saturday Morning Mysteries, the first episode. What up? With Alexis and Grace. So this is a vlog slash pod, depending on like your listening and viewing pleasure and preferences. Um, that's combining some of our uh, select favorite things. We're taking true crime and putting it to cartoons because yeah, we basically realized that like a lot of those cartoons were mysteries to whatever extent. And uh, we could talk about them as if they were true crime episodes because why not? It's 2022. We do whatever we want. We figure this is something that everyone can enjoy no matter mm-hmm. what stage of life you're in, whether you're still a kid or well, maybe I don't know about kids, depending on the language that we use or yeah. how descriptive we get with some of these yeah. crimes. But nonetheless, if you like cartoons, you'll like this. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to we're starting with, I think, maybe our our mutual love of I don't know for me, at least one of our t- my top cartoons of all time. I know you and I for many years have shared this love of Scooby-Doo. Yes. So that's where we're going to start. <laughs> Before we launch into our stories, though, like what what is it about Scooby-Doo for you that like just icing on the cake? Icing on the cake. I always like I always like an anthology series and not to say that Scooby-Doo is full on anthology, mm-hmm. but just a different story every episode. You know, so you don't have to get too tied down in like one overarching dramatic storyline. So I always like that. I guess that's most cartoons, but some about Scooby-Doo is different because it's like your villain of the week type of thing. Yep. So that that was always it for me. And plus, like when you're little, who doesn't like a goofy dog who can talk, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that was a big thing. I just remember growing up, though, at one point, my entire bedroom was Scooby-Doo themed. I don't know if I ever showed you pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like legitimately went from Pocahontas to Scooby-Doo, like overnight, like had oh bed sheets, stuffed animals, blinds, <gasps> a little dresser, all this stuff. It was like, I, I don't, I can't, I guess I must have asked my parents for that stuff. I don't think that they like forced me into an obsession <laughs> with Scooby-Doo, but I totally think they were happy to indulge that obsession because it was like something that they could relate to as well. Because like you think our parents watched Scooby-Doo when they were maybe not growing up, but when they were like teenagers yeah. or getting ready for college. So yeah, that's um, the other part. We'll have to, I'll text Steph to get those pictures of your childhood bedroom. Oof. Yeah. We'll see if she has them. I hope she doesn't. They may have burned in an accident. Or something. Caused by you. Mm-hmm. Another mystery for us to yeah. solve. <laughs> Alexis, <laughs> I would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> Word for, except your uh, your beagle Reese is the yes for you oh, kids and old chunky Reese being like, "What up? <laughs> what up? What I do? Is there food in here for me?" Anyway, <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do. We're each we each picked uh, episodes from Scooby Doo. It is a there's a lot to pick from. Depending on which era of Scooby-Doo, we we have no rules, basically, of, like, we chose whichever ones we felt like. <laughs> um, so we're going to tell you two Scooby-Doo mysteries uh, and how they, you know, maybe botched investigations most of the time, but how they eventually unravel uh, and sol- get solved. Um, who wants to go first? You want me to go first? Do you want to go first? 
You want to go first? Hey, go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Great. Because I started with Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Which is like the official first season of Scooby-Doo ever. One that started it all. Yeah, which I guess I didn't realize until I was like going through HBO Max that like they were all they were all like two seasons each and then they would like switch the name to like a different Scooby-Doo blank blank blank. Yeah. Demo mm. research. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know back then how they got Nielsen ratings or if they did. They didn't have cable boxes to like <laughs> track that stuff. So who knows? Yeah. This is what the kids are saying these days. I love you. Um, <laughs> great. Well, I did write, uh, I'm happy to go first because I did try, I, I did include a bit of a, um, a full painting the picture in which uh, Scooby-Doo actually premiered because uh, I chose the very first episode of the very first Scooby-Doo, Where Are You Ever, to just yeah. start us off in a way. I'm strong. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right word. But in, in, in a way. way. <laughs> to start us. Okay. Here we go. Oh, this is also, uh, yeah. Season one, episode one of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And it's called A Night, or What a Night for a Night, which is a pun. It's like night and then like K, knight. Ah, like a fighting night. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll yeah. get into it. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So everyone, the year is 1969. President Richard Nixon took office nice. that year as the Vietnam War raged on. Yeah, we're going to get a little dark here to start, I guess. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Woodstock went down in history as a gathering of free love, drugs, rock and roll in our beloved Ohio, which again, where we're from, uh, Cleveland's Cuyahoga River set on fire because of pollution levels. The Stonewall Rebellion in New York City goes down as corrupt police abuse the LGBTQIA plus community. The Beatles released Abbey Road, made their final live appearance. I guess that was across the pond, though, but I I included them. Sorry. That had nat- that had worldwide global influence. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, amid years of growth, the police and the government endlessly tried to hamper the civil rights movement and straight up kill a lot of Black Panther members across the country. In California, the Zodiac Killer is at large and the Manson family cult and their eventual killings go down that year. On a slightly happier note, Neil Armstrong walks on the moon pretty neat and on september 13th 1969 scooby-doo where are you premieres for the first time i don't know what channel but it it premiered somewhere uh so scooby-doo where are you brought us the iconic theme song that as it turns out i still know all the words for and i'm sure you do too uh rent free Lives in my head rent-free. Constantly playing. Uh, <laughs> it brought us Hanna-Barbera, which was the, I don't know if it's still a company or not, or like production company still. Yeah, just owned by Warner Media. Uh, AKA Warner Brothers, HBO, all that. Yeah. Umbrella. All right. Good for them. Good Comcast. For them. I, I hope mm-hmm. they got bought out nicely. Or AT&T, um, sorry. AT&T. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, they do own a lot of stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, I mean... Gotta love conglomos. <laughs> conglomos, baby. <laughs> yeah. um, which also, Hannah Barbera, for those from Cincinnati or anyone in the Midwest who's enjoyed, enjoyed Kings Island, they used to have like a full section, which is it's a theme park for those who are not from uh, Cincinnati. And it like had a whole Hannah Barbera section of all of the cartoons themed rides. It was amazing. They had a Nickelodeon section too. Yes. They, they somehow managed to have Nickelodeon and Hanna-Barbera all at the same park. Amazing. Like, right. Like beautiful. right next to each other. I yeah. just You'll never them. see that ever again. I don't think. Like, <laughs> no. 
companies hate each other too much to have that sort of collaboration. <laughs> yeah, there was like straight up like the Scooby-Doo haunted house ride where you'd like sit on the, uh, I don't know, little thing. You'd like go through tunnels mm-hmm. and there was always like a Spirit. Scooby-Doo like, uh, I don't know, like mascot dressed up. We def have a picture with, I'm sure, somewhere from our high school days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some like slime Nickelodeon ride like right next mm-hmm. to it too. I can't remember it. It was great though. Just like um, Slime Time Live for Ohio. Yes. So they never actually filmed <laughs> there because Florida is like way better. Yeah. But they it still had like a similar setup anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, it also brought us, it turns out that I had forgotten about, and maybe it was just this early season, but a laugh track in a cartoon. Yeah. Which was a choice um that that they made. But a choice. Yeah, <laughs> we won't say which way, but uh, a choice. Uh, and most of all, it brought us decades of mysteries to solve. So we're we're going to get into it here again. Season one, episode one, Scooby Doo, where are you? A night, or what a night for a good night. Again, to emphasize the pun uh, involved here. So today, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story of actually three crimes, uh, including a story of a ruthless gang. And ultimately, a story of bad museum security, which I think is the true takeaway from this story. Um, Although I do want to flag that this, again, 1969, this was like 20-ish years before my favorite art heist of all time, which was the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum uh, in Boston, which is still unsolved. It has like a $10 million reward out for information, yeah, on like the heist. There's a great, I think it's like WBR Boston podcast series called Last Scene, and it goes into this heist, and it's my dream come true. Hmm. Uh, I I feel like we're about to change all of our focus from this podcast onto like a national treasure type of (laughs) adventure where we from opposite sides of the country are like researching this. Although if a a podcaster after doing multiple episodes couldn't figure it out, then I have I have no doubt that we would be able to figure it out too. But yeah, anyway. if like professional investigative journalists couldn't figure it out with all of the evidence. Pshaw. Like, yeah, pshaw. Maybe they weren't looking at the Declaration of Independence, which we will now steal. I know all of the secret nooks and crannies in Washington, D.C. <laughs> lift a stone, Perfect. find a key to the ancient crypt that houses, whatever. Yeah. Good. We'll ignore all of the other like historical evidence that's in those things and just yeah. get the, uh, we're going to get that 10 million one day. Yeah. Probably. Day. Um, Help so, us out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it. It's a favor for them, but we want the money, obviously. So Shaggy Rogers and his faithful, which and a kind of essentially genius, all things considered, Great Dane, Scooby-Doo, are walking through their woods on their way home from a movie and stumble upon this abandoned, kind of like rusty-ish, kind of shitty truck. Um, and despite all of the hitchhiking serial killings throughout the 60s, um, which would have probably indicated that you like shouldn't approach a random abandoned vehicle on like a side creepy road, um, they obviously still waltz right up to the truck. And there, the truck is completely abandoned. There's a suit of armor, though, in the front seat that's empty, and then an empty, like, crate box in the bed of the truck, and rightfully spooked. They did, like, tap on the uh, the armor as well, and it was hollow, and they were like, this is weird. So rightfully, they ran instead of getting murdered. Um, stupidly, however, they came back, but they just brought their friends with them. Uh, said friends, yeah, make up Mystery Incorporated or Mystery Inc., who will be, you know the stars of 
all of our Scooby-Doo episodes, obviously. Our humble protagonist. Oh, yes. Those humble mm-hmm. teenagers, which is yeah. weird to think that they're teenagers. By the way, yeah. After rewatching a lot of these episodes, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. But huh. anyway. Yeah, well, that can be that can be a side quest for us to go down. Yeah. Uh, so they come back to the truck and they see a note and an address on this empty box. And on the box, it says the shipment was meant for the museum or the county museum, uh, which going on to scooby-doo.fandom.com, I learned that uh, they live in Coolsville. So um, the Coolsville County Museum. And it has the name of Perse- Professor Jamison Hyde White on this label, but there's no professor to be seen anywhere. So we're going to back step a little bit to earlier that evening where we explore our primary crime, our first crime, the disappearance of Professor James Hyde, Jamison Hyde White. We're just going to call him Professor. He's got a long name. It's too much. Um, which also it's like a three name type of thing, which makes me think yeah. that he's maybe a serial killer because they always go with three names, like first, middle, last name. You can't trace me if I have multiple names, right? <laughs> Wait, so, okay, I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah. The last name is Jameson Hyde White or the first name is Jameson and the last name is Hyde hyphen White. Okay, there's his first name's Jameson, which Velma is like, it's a British name, Shaggy. So she okay. she's cultured. Um, yeah. And then... <laughs> It's, I don't know. I think maybe his full last name is Hyde White, but there's, I don't think there's a hyphen. So it makes it seem like Hyde is his middle name. Okay. I don't know. Or, or maybe it's just like Hyde White, one word, which is weird, but yeah. it's Scooby Doo. So, hey. Yeah. Sometimes um, yes. I think they just like look around a room and think of like, <laughs> boom, okay, your last name is Beige Wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're hiding in the corner and you're wearing a white shirt. Hyde White. Hyde White, boom. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we'll just call him the professor from here on out. It's cool. a little easier. So the professor, again, too long of a name, uh, was in the process of transporting an ancient artifact from England to Coolsville, USA, where he was going to display it, I guess, at the County Museum. He had personally overseen the transport of this item going by boat across the Atlantic, by train across the continental US, and now somehow was driving a kind of crappy pickup truck with precious historical artifacts in the bed of it. This is, I don't know, came off as kind of careless to me, not to, you know, crap talk the uh, the victim here, but like, I would assume that it's usually the intern who has to like transport all of the artifacts. But in my, uh, you know, watching of this episode and research here, uh, I'm kind of, I kind of took that the professor is like a take no shit. I'm going to take care of this business myself kind of a guy. And like, he's not going to let an intern be in charge of something as big as this, like transcontinental transport. Hmm. Um, so, you know, not on his watch, this was a big find for him, his life's work. And he wasn't just going to hand it off to like a summer intern to like go on international a of, journey. Bit of liability there. <laughs> a yeah, bit. exactly. Like <laughs> I, when I was an intern, I didn't want to do this kind of crap. I was just like, no. I don't know. Even getting coffee could be too much for an intern sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like personal experience, Bert. Have you had uh, an intern uh, recently? Don't, even, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, and so in my, again, uh, assumption of the professor here, you know, he seems like a very proud man. Again, someone who wasn't just going to let some summer intern take this under their wing. And to me, perhaps too proud uh, for something happened in transit, something that I don't think he could have ever imagined. But let's pause and talk about the artifact in the bed of the truck or 
what eventually was then in the passenger seat of the truck. Yeah. As it's key. Yeah. To the entire mystery. So the Black Knight, as it's called, is a tall black full suit of armor with a red like plume on top. So that's like the, I don't know, like feathery thing. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see me doing like a little chicken. (laughs) (laughs) She's waving her hand over her head as if I should understand. It's like the the ponytail looking thing that comes out of the helmet. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I did have to Google it to be, I just called it the feather thing. And I was like, there has to be a name for this. Um, And I do also want to know. Thanks, Webster. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) That in like some scenes, the plume is there and other scenes, it's not there. And I think that's just like, there was not tight editing going on in 1969. So that's... We should do another episode talking about cell animation because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to get too off track, but I totally understand why they did that after <laughs> learning about cell animation and the way that they used to direct these shows back then. Yeah. I, had to I, cut some corners. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So yes, we should have a, a deep dive into One day. it because that One would day. explain a lot of the inconsistencies I saw in this first episode. Perhaps as bonus content. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it, but. Stay Love tuned it. and see a video about us talking about cell animation more in depth. Anyway, Ooh, we're fancy now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, my estimation based on nothing, except I think it would make the story cooler that this suit of armor is from the Knights Templar. So while traditionally based on, again, wikipedia.com, uh, the Knights Templar is usually like a dark armor with like a red cross on it somewhere. Like none of us were there. They didn't have actual photos of it. So maybe this night was like, I'm going to put the red on my ponytail plume, not on, I don't know, my sash. Yeah, he was a little sassy of a night. No one could tell him what to do, which was maybe his downfall as well. Uh, But for those who don't know, the Knights Templar was basically this like old school, like 1100s to 1300s Catholic military, which like, yeah, religions obviously have militaries back then and now. Again, neither here nor there. Religious law has got to be enforced, all right? (laughs) Get it together. So think like Crusades times, lots of violence, lots of murder in the name of Christianity, lots of unchecked power. Also of note is that they controlled like a crap load of financial means. And apparently some people think they started the like what is now modern form of banking, which like is pretty interesting. So there you go. I guess I know that. Yeah. You're saying this was the Knights of the Templar in particular who did this? Or yeah. you're saying, wow, okay. Yeah, because they were just I thought like, you meant like the Crusaders or like oh, more broadly. No. Nah, yeah, hope, like these guys all about that gold and like somehow huh. created, yeah, banking, which is a fun I think we note. can both thank and admonish them. <laughs> yeah, for probably many things, but that's yeah. the one high on the list. I'm, I'm pretty agnostic, no pun <laughs> intended. On their influence in that, then anyway, You're definitely gonna get haunted by them now. I think I am. I am. That They're shit. outside my door. <laughs> Little knock on there. Uh, so their fast and obviously violent rise to power, and then like this snap reduction of power because some pope was like not into it, which good for that pope, mm-hmm. uh, has made yeah. their history like really full of mystery and like legend. And I don't really know all that much about it, but like it's all spooky and stuff. Um, but like the Knights Templar, our Black Knight here in this episode is also shrouded in mystery. So the legend of this Black Knight goes that when there's a full moon, this armor will awaken into like a sentient, perhaps even violent creature. And 
Yeah, perhaps like reminiscent of the person who originally wore the armor, who was like probably pretty violent themselves. But despite that, the professor here is a man of fact, not of silly, ridiculous, unproven legends. He can spot a lie from a mile away and takes authenticity as a point of pride and honor in his work. And he's been like this, I think, ever since he grew up in, you know, the countryside of England in a place that had no history in any history books. His life goals to turn that around for himself. And so he has this pridefulness about discovery and truth finding, which actually was perhaps another downfall for him in the end, because someone or something used it against him eventually. So scene of the crime again. The professor is driving on this deserted road, transporting the Black Knight from the train station to the museum where he's going to be displaying it. He's come all the way from England, probably post haste and was probably tired. So tired, in fact, that he apparently didn't notice his surroundings. For example, he didn't notice or again, just didn't care that there was a full moon in the sky that night, nor did he, I guess, notice that the lid of the transport box suddenly started to creep open. He also didn't notice, apparently, the Black Knight rise from said box. So what happened next? He's like not using his rear view mirrors whatsoever. No. Okay. Nope. He's just like, this is shitty. I don't know. Maybe this truck was shitty enough that like they just didn't work. It was like rusted. It didn't look great. Yeah. Terrible he's hydraulics. Like, he's driving on the opposite side of the road now. He's overwhelmed by this probably. Like, he's like, why am I sitting on the left? I need to be on the right. This is America, not England anymore. He's, it's a, it's all confusing. So what happens next is merely conjecture, as we have no official confession by the Black Knight to reference. But mm-hmm. most likely, the Black Knight was somehow able to silently or quietly enough move out of this box, and then able to silently, and or I guess the ability to move silently to me means that, like, this is not maybe the first time that a suit of armor has had to move stealthily, because that seems really hard to do. Uh, and it's this rodeo before. <laughs> yeah, which is, that's a whole other mystery for another yeah. time, I guess. We need to look into this history of this Black Knight. But it's my estimation that somehow the Black Knight was able to both grab the professor by surprise and the wheel of the truck because the, or the steering wheel because the truck did not crash. So also a very dexterous Black Knight. Um, likely, I assume the Knight took advantage of like the pure shock the professor probably had because there was suddenly a suit of armor attacking him. Uh, and like probably frozen in shock somehow. Cause I don't like, you wouldn't just punch that right away. Probably you'd probably be like, what's happening. Um, you might break so, your hand if you did punch it too. So yeah. Like, which like you know. also could have happened like what we don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. but either way, um, the night, uh, was probably like, you know, probably gave him a little knock on the head. Probably didn't have to do it very hard. Cause it's literally suit of armor, uh, safely was able to park the car, which is also pretty impressive that he knew modern technology, I guess. Um, and then take the professor from the scene without a trace. But somehow the armor returns to the scene of the crime like a fool, I guess. But we don't know whether he was called back by the moon or uh, by some other means. We're not yet sure. But what we do know is that now a foreign national, the professor, is missing on U.S. soil. So this is oh. now an international crime. Um <laughs> And we know somehow that this artifact is in the center of the crime. And that, again, going back to what we said at the start, is how our intrepid heroes find the suspicious scene. Mm-hmm. So after finding that abandoned truck, Mystery Inc. 
Again, our heroes here immediately report the artifact to the Coolsville County Museum, which again was labeled on the box. Um, and they, you know, they transport the armor there somehow. I don't know if they like muddied up the invest the, you know, the scene of the crime or what, but they get it there. Yeah, we're gonna learn quickly they're not professional status investigators. They are either. not got fingerprints everywhere. <laughs> yeah, all that. anyway. Yep, yep, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, so when they get there, they meet the museum curator. One, Mr. Wiggles, which I did have to like look up to see what his name actually was. Cause I was like, is it Wiggles? I, it was so weird, but oh, Wiggles. Such a lost opportunity. It was called Wiggles, but. The like sorry, origin story of the Wiggles eventually. Yeah. Like they were a museum curator. Um, so Mr. Wiggles obviously thinks mystery Inc. Uh, profusely that they've delivered this artifact. Uh, and he's the one who tells them about the legend, which he's actually a, very big believer of this legend of the black knight um mm. you we do meet some of the museum staff who are transporting the black knight like setting them up for display and like they don't really seem ruffled by mr wickles's like i don't know superstitions you can see the like we don't get paid enough for this shit like in their <laughs> eyes as they're moving it around um but mr wickles i will say seems like pretty wigged out and pretty disturbed uh that the professor is nowhere to be seen um he kind of sees this as like the uh the proving that this legend of the black knight is real because mm -hmm. it came alive and took the professor away and he seems actually pretty like nervous about having the black knight now in his museum and because there's a still a full moon in the sky so he, again he seems pretty wigged out by this museum staff like they don't give a shit they're just like this old man in his ramblings Jesus Christ type of Big thing. enough. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, sure, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, you know, we see a little bit of the county museum itself. And, you know, there's no telling how many other like creepy voodoo-y legends are within these halls. Um, it's obviously full of, you know, side note, asterisk, stolen artifacts from cultures around the world. And a lot of them are not museums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So just just like in county or Coolsville County, they're on it too, I guess. Them and like what the British Museum and every museum in the US. What anyways. Coolsville, um, we're like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, look at us. Uh so you know, it's a pretty eclectic museum and he's clearly pretty proud of it, you know, despite what that could mean for his own safety. Um, you know, we'll get to that eventually, but he seems again little creeped out that's also maybe why he just passes it off to the museum staff because he's like i don't want to get involved in this shit and i think it's important to note here that i don't really know why no police were brought in to like fingerprint the crime scene or the artifact or maybe they did and they were like running it through the system but i don't think there was a system in 1969 or maybe they were never called which seems to actually be the case um and from this, I surmise that Coolsville is a city of vigilante justice led by Mystery Inc. <laughs> they say Mystery Inc. They are the vigilantes. Yes. I guess actually, yeah, in, in the most legitimate sense, they actually are. I mean, uh -huh. like, sorry, tangent here, but I'm, I'm a very big comic book fan. So I read a lot Ooh. of comic books about vigilantes. And now that I'm like, actually, like, yeah, I mean, Mystery Inc. is basically like, an amalgam of like half of Justice League without, you know, superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the teenagers version of it. I'm pretty sure they annoy the cops 
in the authorities just as much as like the X-Men annoyed the UN. So <laughs> it's pretty much like yep. apples and apples. But mm-hmm. anyway. Exactly. Vigilantes minus the powers. Yes. Uh, but I do want to take a second as this is our first episode. Um to briefly give a description of who makes up Mystery Inc. since there are like official, unofficial, official lead investigation team again in this city of crime that they live in. It's anti justice. <laughs> exactly. So first is the aforementioned Shaggy Rogers. Shaggy is like the 1969 token hippie. He's got bell bottoms. He's got the like unnamed in a children's cartoon munchies. Uh, we didn't realize what that was until we were much older. Uh, he doesn't really like have the nerves for solving mysteries, but he's like super laid back and just, you know, like goes with it, man. Uh, but in this episode, I actually learned a lot about Shaggy, that he's apparently a great gymnast in their high school team. He's a ventriloquist and he's obviously the bestie slash owner of Scooby-Doo. Uh, next is Scooby, the loyal great Dane who can speak and like, vibes with shaggy on like a whole other dimension man uh i don't know how he also wound up solving mysteries especially because he's like constantly terrified um and also great danes with some again wikipedia research they were once working dogs but we've like bred that out of them because every great Dane i've ever known like sleeps 20 hours a day (laughs) it's just like a lump and also like can't do a lot because of their hearts like will explode if they exercise too much but yeah it's fucked up because of our breeding i know there's uh but he's like key to keeping mystery ink together so then we have fred jones who's like the de facto de facto leader of mystery ink he's suave he takes charge he looks like he could be part of the Brady Bunch, which apparently also came out in 1969, according to Google. Um, what a good like, year. Crazy year. Yeah, that, yeah good description. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Of iconic things that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, like, is pretty level-headed. I, like, can't really picture. Again, I'm always, like, trying to keep in mind that, like, these are literal teenagers. Uh, yeah. I don't, like, don't really see him and Shaggy sitting at the same, like, lunch table together in their high school. But, like, mm-hmm. he actually seems really open to everyone and is really good. I'll give him some credit at, like, utilizing the gang's, like, strengths and, like, assigning them tasks based on that. So then we've got Daphne Blake, known as, you know, the redheaded, blo- like, bombshell of Mystery Inc., who I'm pretty sure she, like, funds all of these, like, teenage endeavors. Has to. Yeah. She's the cash. Yeah, exactly. yeah, she's the cash bank here. She's, I called her the hands-on investor. Um, You know, the angel investor who's really into what she's like, the entrepreneur she's helping. She's like Shark Tank. Uh, but she brings sass. She brings taking no shit. She brings a 1960s stereotype of a damsel in distress a lot of the time, at least in the early seasons. Uh, and despite her tendency to get taken captive, I've noticed that she actually really encapsulates what is perhaps your and my, one of our favorite songs, which declares, I ain't afraid of no ghost. Because she, like, is never spooked. She's always just like, again, Jesus. Uh, And last but not least, we have the one who carries the entire team on her back, Velma Dinkley. Again, in 1960s stereotypes, she's, like, the nerd of the group who constantly is losing her glasses my glasses, as she declares oftentimes. I can't and, see without my glasses. Yeah, and I often do that now as an adult wearing glasses. <laughs> uh, but she's the quickest at putting clues together, seeing through the BS to find the truth. Uh, without her, I don't think Mystery Inc. would like ever solve a single crime. Um, so that's that's our crew. 
And now that Mystery Inc. has a crime to solve, disappearance of the professor, uh, which hopefully they remember that's what they're there to solve. Uh, we're going to go down the path uh, taken of how they solve it. Um, and we're also going to go through the two other crimes that happened that evening. So before the gang even leaves the museum from this drop off, we get our first clue and our second crime. So I know it's a twofer in many ways. So yes, they got bit off more than they can chew. Truly, truly. <laughs> or I guess we'll find out. You'll explain to us how maybe they didn't. Mm, time will tell. I will tell. In fact, I am time. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. So nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> We're uncovering many things. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so Scooby is kind of like wandering, not really looking for clues. I guess he had no interest in like either helping the people like the museum staff or listening to Mr. Wickles like freaking out about the legend. But something catches his eye and he's like, hey, I'm in a museum. This is mine now, which I guess is like how all museums work. They like see something shiny in the world and they're like, huh, this is mine now. So I guess it kind of works. Um, but he, you know, whether on purpose or not, uh, commits a theft to, for us to begin. Luckily, it's the theft of the first clue. So, you know, does, do two wrongs make a right? I'll leave it to the authorities and audience to decide. Right. We're going to uh, get philosophical sometimes on this show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go real deep here. Of Was Scooby correct in stealing from this museum? Uh, mm -hmm. The first clue, which is a pair of glasses. Hmm. So Hansy McGee Scooby over here uh, swipes this like pair of spectacles that remind me of like, I like, don't know what era, I don't know, like Edwardian or like Victorian era, like the like opera glasses that like fancy ladies would have where it's like the little tiny ones with like the little the handle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's what they look like. Um, but I guess apparently they're not opera glasses. Uh, okay. They're a pair mm -hmm. that are specifically used by archaeologists. Suspicious? Perhaps. But may I further submit with some obviously clever research from Velma doing all the legwork here at the library that there are glasses that are specifically made in England. Very suspicious? Definitely, I would say. Yeah. Actual evidence, though, to the gang? For sure. To an actual representative of the law? Mm. Like, circumstantial evidence at best, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, like, DNA yeah. testing did not exist back then yet, so, like, they, they're, like, literally just a pair of glasses in a museum mm -hmm. probably filled with archaeologists who all have those glasses, professors all sorts of right. yeah like yeah. any archaeologist maybe this is a special team made in england and everyone has them but alas uh this is clue numero uno to the gang and this ends up turning their entire investigation investigation to the museum itself so hmm. this focus of the investigation quickly brings us to our third crime which is worth noting because uh, as we learn the style of our investigative team here, we quickly learn that the law does not apply to them essentially and apparently yeah. um, this group of protagonists because our third crime is a B&E, breaking and entering. So yeah, instead of just like getting a search warrant uh, through a legal authority or just like asking to check out the museum the next morning, um, the gang decides to break into the museum under the cover of night. Yeah, they 
really difficult. Also, and vigilante justice, you break the law to resolve the law. <laughs> <laughs> Again, existential questions yeah, here. Philosophical right? Philosophical debates here. Was it a necessary evil? <laughs> right. To solve this missing person's case, baby. Uh, again, we'll let you decide throughout this. Maybe I'll ask at the end whether what, what your take is. Um, yes. And drop some comments if you have your own take. <laughs> yes, exactly. So as it turns out, to break into the muse- this museum is like super freaking easy. They just like get a ladder from the back of the Mystery Ink van, which also we like see a peek of it. And it's like sketchy as hell in the back of that van. There's like lanterns, tools, ropes, first aid kits, like other scenes in the series. It's like empty in the back. But this one, it's like full of literal like crime and like murderer materials. It's yeah. real sketch. Uh, anyways, uh, Shaggy like goes up the ladder, somersaults through the museum window and just adds on to this crime by like desecrating museum, like the collections in the museum. Cause he literally is toppling through a window and like destroying shit. So this, that's just gonna be an ongoing situation and like too many crimes to add up as they literally destroy these artifacts as they go. Um, so, uh, and then obviously he also implicates the rest of the gang into his crime because he, you know, lets them in. Now there's no alarm system. There's no security thing anywhere. He just breaks into a window and yeah, opens the back door. Um, uh, But a very special note as he is going to go let the rest of the gang in, he does pass by the Black Knight. He kind of gives it pause and checks it out. He again knocks on it, confirms it's immobile. You know, the blinds are closed in the museum, so there's no full moon coming in uh, and it's empty. Uh, But, uh, you know, as he does let the gang in, we do see that there is a full moon again in the sky i guess because it's the same night so that would make sense or it's the next night i don't really know either way there's a full moon we're not we're not gonna get into moon cycles here (laughs) we're not like an astrology (laughs) podcast for someone else uh but um also a special note that this is like my literal dream like being stuck in a museum overnight like would do it in a heartbeat the movie the night at the museum like could i could have written that from like childhood dream journals this would be amazing so how does our ragtag team of essentially juvenile criminals slash vigilante justice seekers uh, see out yeah, this investigation for a missing persons case by splitting up and looking for clues, baby? Again, a tactic we will see over and over again with Mystery Inc. So before we get into the good sleuthing work that they go down into, um, let's go through some of the mistakes in this investigation because No investigation is perfect, but if someone's life is on the line, the professors, then time matters. I don't know if it's actually still true that the first 48 hours of like a missing person's case are the most important. Like, I think that's just like what's always said. There was that like show the first 48 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe science has like somehow disproven that. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a a forensic anything. So, um. (laughs) Yeah, don't quote me on any of that. But that's all to say that mess ups matter because they waste time and someone's life is on the line here. Mm-hmm. So in the line of mess ups, first, Fred and Daphne somehow entirely miss like a sarcophagus lid slowly like and creepily closing behind them. So it's like moving on its own. I would assume would super loud too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. My literal uh, next note is that the museum is silent, and I assume they don't WD-40 sarcophagus lids. 
there's no hinges. There's no hinges. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have, yeah, like hinges in like ancient Egyptian times. It's just like a, they lift it yeah. on and off type of thing. Like stone against stone, just <laughs> like <laughs> reaching. Oh, anyway. Yeah, so thank you. Yes, you have confirmed my first uh, note about this botched investigation. They don't notice that at all. And then we've got the B team of Shaggy, Velma, Scooby. They obviously had to put Velma with the two who just don't really contribute that much to this investigation. Um, But as they're looking for clues, all of a sudden our good buddy, the Black Knight, like reanimates and is trying to like close down this investigation because he starts chasing Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy. Like again, violently terrifying. We do see that despite the full moon behind blinds, This guy is on the chase. He wants to get these detectives out of the museum or worse. We don't know. But here's the other unforgivable mistake. In a classic moment of shenanigans and confusion, the Black Knight trips over Velma, who's looking for her glasses on the floor because Scooby knocked her over because when the Black Knight started chasing them, Scooby was like, everyone's on their own. I'm out of (laughs) here. Clearly not loyal dog at all. Um, But as the Black Knight trips, he lands. This is like, when I was watching this, I was like, it's a kid's cartoon. He lands directly into like what I take as like a guillotine. Like, you know, when like the prisoners would get like locked up in like the wooden thing with like their hands and like head like locked like in that. That's what he lands in. And like it just closes on him. And I'm pretty sure that's what they would use for like eventual like guillotines or like public like floggings and shit. Yeah. So it's dark that that was just sitting there and that's what the Black Knight lands in. Um, so you think like end of at least the mystery to the legend of the Black Knight because they could check right then because the Black Knight is literally locked into this like prisoner thing. Um, yeah. You know, and they could figure out what the Black Knight did to the professor. They could also like make an epic discovery of like if this legend is true. Uh, but instead Velma gets her glasses on and then she and Shaggy just like run because they don't notice that the Black Knight is like locked right behind them. Um, <laughs> so they just leave the room and like the Black Knight is now trapped, but like they don't do anything about it. But that aside, let's focus on what they did do correctly in this uh, this evening. So at first glance, the first clue doesn't actually look like a clue at all. It just seems like an astute observation. So the apparently art museum aficionado, Shaggy, notices that a picture, I know, he's gymnast, ventriloquist. Art Art historian. Yeah, art historian. (laughs) Future museum curator. I don't know. Uh, But he notices that uh, a picture is missing from one of the museum walls. And it looks pretty freshly taken, like based on the difference of like light and shadow of like where uh, that's like outlining where the piece like should have been. um, Mm -hmm. And it's not. And so what does this mean for the legend of the Black Knight? What does it mean for the missing professor? And what does it mean for museum security, where apparently there could be more than one person breaking in a night to steal things and nobody is noticing? We don't know any of those (laughs) answers. But... Shaggy and Scooby, yeah, but you know, what? who can blame us? But Shaggy and Scooby do go and get the rest of the gang to be like, hey, isn't this suspicious? Uh, This is missing. Is someone else trying to break in tonight? Is that why it was so easy? But as they come back, the picture is back on the wall as if it was never gone. Is this a momentary lapse in Shaggy's 
potentially high brain, or is this a confirmation that it is a clue? It's a clue, obviously. Uh, so Shaggy's observation. Maybe both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. A little but bit no, of column it's, it's A, a little bit of column, little column B, yeah. kind of thing. So, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shaggy's observation, though, does lead us to a much more concrete clue spotted by Daphne, who seems just perplexed as to Shaggy and Scooby, like how they missed this to begin with, which, again, that kind of, I guess, goes into the botched investigation side of things. But either way, it worked out. Because at the base of the wall, like where the floor and the actual wall meet, uh, right underneath the artwork, Daphne spots a pool of blood, just a pool of red down there. Um, let's pause for a second. Is this where this gaggle of amateur detectives call the authorities now that there's potentially a murder or violent assault on their hands? No. Frat boy Fred sticks his finger directly into the pool of red to check it out. Obviously, one, contaminating further this crime scene. Two, just super fucking gross. Excuse <laughs> my disgusting. language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll mark this as explicit. It's okay. I've dropped yeah. my okay. bomb so far. Awesome. Um, <laughs> apparently, he is the professional in-house forensics lab because he immediately surmises, don't worry, this is just red paint. What this says about how much Fred has touched blood before I will leave it to the listeners to surmise that journey. Anyways, uh, this is the clue that keeps on giving because apparently, again, Shaggy and Scooby somehow missed that this paint, not blood, is splattered across the museum floor like a trail. So obviously they follow it. And lo and behold, the trail leaves them to the sarcophagus that Fred and Daphne completely passed before. Uh, which, I mean, I will give them some credit, not obviously to not hearing the sarcophagus closing, but does this mean that like, they just, they didn't notice the paint or is it fresh and the culprit is thus still nearby? And also why is it Hmm. paint? We'll see. So in again, a recurring theme of desecration and like no respect for artifacts, uh, Fred just rips open the lid to, uh, the sarcophagus just being like, mm. well, it ends here. Let's see what happens. Like, is there going to be a dead body in the sarcophagus? We'll yeah, see. Yeah, right. Do yeah. curses get unleashed from the sarcophagus? <laughs> we'll yeah, see. This is, what if it was actually, like, this is how Coolsville, like, became, like, this hub of crime. Haunted. Was from this one, like, curse that Fred unleashed. In this all these moment. demons fly out. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that happen. I guess oh, we're done with this mystery. <laughs> yep, I guess we have a million more to solve now. Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, so, yeah, so he rips off the lid and reveals a secret room, essentially. Like, the back of the sarcophagus is like fully carved out there's no back to it instead mm. it's just like a tunnel into behind the wall so it's a sarcophagus it's like standing oh, up against yes. the wall it's not like okay gotcha yeah, like yeah that's good flat. okay yeah yeah cool thank you great question yeah they don't like just mm. jump down into the like <laughs> dark depths which <laughs> is like this hole be kind of cool but yeah yeah, yeah no Wait. they don't do that they might um, break their shins but you know <laughs> and cool. then they're the missing persons now <laughs> They see the professor down there and he's like, I broke my shins. That's why I'm missing. <laughs> he's like, help me. They're like, well, help. And they all break their shins and then like never. Then it gets really dark. Really episode, quick. episode ends. Title credits roll. Or credits Fade roll. to black. Yeah. yeah. America did not need more darkness at that in 1969. That no. would have been not great. Um, no. So I'm no museum expert, but I do love museums, have obviously dreamt of working in one. 
Uh, and I know that like they have like private rooms in the back and offices where like the preservation work happens. Like they don't do that out front. Out front is just like, look at the cool preservation we did in the back. Like some museums, like I'll give where I used to live in Utah, uh, the Salt Lake City Museum, a shout out of like the Natural History Museum. They have like, you can see into some of the storage rooms and preservation rooms. And it's so cool. Some museums, you can like watch them working on like restoring the paint to things. And like, cool. yeah. And like, you're going to rabbit hole on this stuff. And it's like, they can like trace back like flecks of paint to like certain time periods. And like, they can tell mm. like when it was last like touched up type of thing. They like have low chemistry sets to like imitate that old paint. Okay. It's super cool. But like, that's all of the back of a museum. That's why museums are so big. They got, they got to do all of that work. Um, but I will say the gang immediately surmises like this is not a back office or preservation room that like was cleverly behind a secret door. Uh, this turns out to be the biggest clue yet, which is there is some sketchy other shit going down at this museum because this back room not only is a mess, which like also is an indication that's not an official room because like, I don't know, museum staff probably has to be pretty organized. Uh, but there's like, this room is like full of blank canvases and art supplies, as well as okay. various works of other art. But most sus, however, is that in the middle of the room, <clears throat> there's two easels, one of which has an old ass looking portrait on it. And on the other one is like a halfway finished replica being painted of said portrait. So I don't know how children would exactly put together that this means this is like an illegal like art replica black market situation going yeah. down but like I guess we did as kids like they never explicitly say it right there but like Fred and Velma are like oh we've solved this mystery now because we see this I guess I don't know they just knew mm. that this is what they, like a black market crime scene looks like and like instantly know who must be behind the the forgeries or like the all mm -hmm. that okay yeah. they have everyone's intentions already aligned yeah they're like we got this and then this. finally now that now that they've solved it fred is like let's call the authorities <laughs> like let's get them in here now uh <laughs> he wants all the credit <laughs> i think that's what it was i think he must be like uh remember like in the uh incredibles like the the like kid who like loves Mr. Incredible and turns out to be the bad guy later. He's like yeah. inserting himself to help solve the like crimes. I think that's what Fred is doing. <laughs> but anyways, um, as he makes this suggestion, finally, and like also let's keep in mind this is 1969. So there's not cell phones. They have to like go find a phone. This wasn't like, oh a, my gosh, let's call the authorities. This is more right. of a process. Um, it like takes another 20 minutes just to get to a phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and they don't know where the phone is in the museum. It's a whole thing. Uh, but just as he finally makes this finally smart suggestion, guess who busts in from another back door? The Black Knight, who oh, clearly gosh. is like, y'all are hot on some trail. I'm going to throw you guys off of it and like, question mark, murder you, at least get you out of the museum. Um, why the Black Knight cares about this replication? Yes, and forgery ring? Unsure. We'll get to it. But in classic Scooby-Doo fashion, a series of shenanigans ensue classic chase scenes uh classic more desecration of things also more like very lax security because at one point uh shaggy and scooby get into like a small propeller plane that fits in this museum and like i guess the keys are just in it and they turn it on and start flying in the museum um 
yeah, it's, it, I don't know why the keys were in there still. I like uh, how you're focusing in on the keys yeah. being in it and not the motor or the <laughs> anything like that. It's like a fully operational yes. plane with yeah. keys in it on just, display. Yeah, just yeah. In the fact that like it was ready to go as an escape hatch <laughs> or something. Fueled up everything. <laughs> fuel in it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which also seems like a hazard. Um, and also like Fred, uh, Velma and Daphne are hard, are hiding in like a tank, which also leads me to question, like, was this also an operational tank in the museum? It's unclear. Also, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, what kind of museum this is. <laughs> this like is, yeah. a tank, a sarcophagus, <laughs> an airplane. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Again, Mr. Wickles has done a lot of work to curate like lots of education for the county of Coolsville yeah. County. Um, Respect. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, but anyways, all of that aside. Um, well, I guess not aside because Shaggy and Scooby crashed the airplane, which does. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they're uninjured. Uh, but that's how they finally corner. Again, they could have cornered him earlier when he was in the guillotine thing. Which also is another side note. He like somehow escaped from, but I guess he's like he already escaped from a box. This is nothing. I don't know. Anyways, um, they finally corner the Black Knight, and uh, Scooby rips the helmet off. Finally, ready to confirm the legend, or somehow I guess bust it open. They're just focused on the legend now. I guess they're expecting to see a ghost behind it. Um, so what's below the helmet? We ask and. Fred and Velma, when they see it, they immediately are like, huh, we knew. Um, I don't know how they knew it, though. But let's go through our cast of characters to see, yes, based please. on them, who could be wreaking havoc at this museum. Is it A, Professor Hyde White himself, the staunch anti-legend historian who is tired of his dry, boring, fact-based career and finally wanted to make a more sexy discovery and make it look like a kidnapping by a legend finally saying that like yes legends are real they're here i'm now a famous archaeologist or was it b mr wickles the museum curator who wanted all of that glory that the archaeologists always get again on their like indiana joan type adventures he finally wanted to make the headlines he's done so much work in this eclectic museum and no one gives him credit or is it one of those museum workers who are disgruntled about their work here and are trying to actually hide this crime ring in the back halls of the museum, this essentially art forgery replication black market going on, and they're trying to cover their tracks. Hmm. It was Mr. Wickles. The, oh. I know. Wait, who do you think okay. it was? I mean, I kind of thought maybe the professor, maybe mm. it would be, that would maybe be a little too convenient because mm. he could just make it look like he disappeared himself, you mm. know, like, oh, I wasn't actually kidnapped. I just like parked the truck and got out and right. then was like, how? <laughs> you know? I'll broke my shit in the sarcophagus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while the authorities finally who are called and arrive, um, God say that Days they later <laughs> literally what also like where is like where's mystery inks parents like yeah right that's a common theme i feel like yeah. you will hear us saying that in just about yeah. every single episode that we talk about like where are their parents what time of day is it are you in school is it always <laughs> right. not like just Have so you many homework? but anyway yeah, yeah is this a weekend right? only who knows um and so the authorities while they claim that they would have never suspected mr wickles as an art swindler 
I personally scoff at this shoddy police work because most museum-based crimes are done by the employees. Most Mm -hmm. heights are inside jobs and museums, which side note is why the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist is such a mystery because they were all cleared. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Mm. Anyways, so Mr. Wickles is the head of this crime ring replicating arts or fine art and then selling those originals on the black market. And he's actually replacing the art in his museum with the fakes. So like lover of museum and art, uh, uh-uh. this guy, he had had it with the slow solitude life of running this county museum in Coolsville. He always wanted more. He craves that adventure and danger again that the archaeologists all get. They're off risking their lives in the name of knowledge and discovery. And he wanted the thrill like that. He was bored in just the County Museum. He thought, Mr. Rickles thought he was good enough, nay, better than them. And he would prove it by tricking all of them and making, you know, a little side cash. I can't imagine a museum curator in Coolsville County is that lucrative, but he was making that bank. So Mr. Rickles, though, his crime spree, his growing, like, you know, monopoly of art crime was suddenly threatened by the fact that the professor was going to hand deliver this artifact. So if you remember, the professor, in my mind, was esteemed for his ability to separate fact from fiction and to call BS. And Mr. Wickles knew essentially that the professor showed up, he would realize that his museum was full of fake art. And Mr. Wickles was not going to risk the downfall of his empire to some Brit, essentially. So he had to find a way to silence him. And he decided to play up the legend of the possibly violent Black Knight to cover his tracks in the perfect ruse. So speaking of the professor, which was the actual mystery that they were here to solve, not the historic legend and not the art crime, the gang literally suddenly remembers that they haven't found him yet. They're standing there with the authorities talking about the art ring. And then literally one of them goes, oh, yeah, the professor. They like literally got so distracted at debunking the Black Knight and uncovering this like underground black market empire that they forgot about the original crime. That poor professor. I know. Probably starving, by the way, but whatever. Probably so. He's like, this is how all Brits are treated in America. Like, (laughs) I'm never coming back. I wish we would have won the war. (laughs) These xenophobic Americans. So luckily, Scooby finds a random misplaced shoe in the museum, which is another botched thing of if they you know had found this i'll get to in a second so scooby follows the scent and they discover the professor literally bound and gagged like in one of the museum artifacts like he's like tied up he had like one of the masks and like outfits of one of the artifacts were just thrown on top of him so he looked like an exhibit if they had found this shoe so much like an exhibit it's like walk by him in the galleries yeah, like throughout the episode, and I, I didn't put this in earlier, you like see its eyes like wandering, like following them. I don't know how he just didn't like jump. I, I don't know. He could have probably found a way out. But again, not victim blaming. He was probably shocked and such. Um, if they had found this shoe randomly in the museum earlier, they would have found the professor who could have probably told them everything. Yeah, like, hey, Mr. Wicket is totally the guy that just kidnapped me, by the way. Right, and he told me as he was kidnapping that it was to cover up this black market art ring that he has. 
As He's for, like reciting his evil plan as he kidnaps. Oh, you knew that Sorry. he would be. That's how they all yeah. do it. Oh, so yeah. as much as I'm like shitting on these kids, I guess like it was good that they followed their intuition of only going to the museum instead of, I guess, searching the actual crime or like, crime scene, but no protocol. It's fine. So I'll end with, there's no way to tell what Mr. Wickles would have actually done to keep the professor quiet and his crime ring alive, which leads us to beg the question of how much darker this episode would have gotten. Because all we know is that Mr. Inc. took down an art crime ring, took down a kidnapper by and solving this missing persons case, and possibly prevented the murder of a British historian because Mr. Wickles probably would have done anything to continue his art crime ring. The end. The end. A My goodness. It does, it really does make you think the lengths some of these folks would go through. It's like, is that yeah. painting really worth like kidnapping and possibly murdering like four or five humans and a dog? Right. Like when, when you include the professor. Yep. Like, I mean, I know it's probably not that lucrative being an artist or a, a museum curator, but uh, it's a middle class income, I'm sure. Right, and it's, it's probably a lot story. less stressful than like mass scale forgery <laughs> of like ancient artifacts. <laughs> like you, UNESCO is going to be on their ass. Like you're, you're going to be like an international criminal. <laughs> and you, all- you are, you kidnap the Brits. Right. Again, like he has crossed that line. And yeah, like the length of like, what was his plan after he like unbound and ungagged the professor just to be like, like, don't tell anyone, please, that it was me. Honestly, he probably would have like bribed him maybe into joining in his criminal enterprise. I mean, there's some, there's a knowledge bank there Mm. in the professor and like he could go out, find more artifacts. They could like work together, but I I don't think you persuade someone to work for you by Mm. bounding and gagging them and hiding them in an artifact (laughs) and starving them for some unknown number of days. Yeah. So I'm sure that the conversation to partner up after that was probably (laughs) would have been difficult if Wickles wasn't arrested. Yeah, he was not a strong businessman. Uh, it's yeah, but the end of the uh, crime spree of Mr. Wickles. Hopefully. So, so do you ever see like when when the kids, teens, I guess we should call them, the when they un- the youth, when they uncover this uh, this room full of all this stuff. I mean, I guess it's empty when they do it. But do you ever see like who he had working with him, or do we just assume that it was? museum staff or random people he just pulled off the street like hey come on in I got a job for you you know entrance into the museum (laughs) this is all this is the intern work actually um no I I did wonder that of like yeah is the museum staff in on it too because like Mr. Wickles like he does not look like maybe he is the good artist but I think he's like the I I think that he was like the mastermind of it but when he was like, we're going to kidnap this professor, the rest of the staff was like, you've gone too far. Like, we were just trying to turn a pretty penny here and like Whoa. get some cash on the side. Like I was like an art student, like dropout, like art school dropout. I'll do the paintings for you. Jimmy over here will do the shipments and arrange the deals. Like you just tell us where to go. But now you're going to kidnap someone again, yeah. a, a foreign national, like too far wickles. So we don't know how far and deep this operation went, but I have to assume it was not a a solo enterprise. So I'm looking it up. I know that obviously kidnapping. (laughs) You're looking at Mr. Wickles? (laughs) 
No. <laughs> what does he look like? Um, no. So uh, kidnapping is uh, almost certain that there's a federal charge there. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgery is also a federal charge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, almost a thousand percent positive. I have not studied forgery since. <laughs> crim law three years ago, but <laughs> I'm almost positive that the criminal penalty for forgery is a lot lighter than it is for kidnapping, yes. which actually, so to be clear, kidnapping in itself isn't like a legit crime necessarily. It's more like, um, mm. what do you, what do you call it? Um, not trespassing, but, uh, um, false imprisonment, sorry, Ooh, false, yeah, false yeah. imprisonment. And there could be like some assault in there, some battery, okay. et cetera, but it's considered kidnapping mm. so I, I could totally see I guess if there was some uh museum staff and on it they're like look we're committing one federal crime already yeah. with the forgery and probably international crimes as mm-hmm. well because I'm sure that there are treaties through the UN and like UNESCO about not forging art or yep. posting art from other places in the world yep kidnapping though step too far yeah a murder attempted murder a few steps too far I for these random it. museum staff. Clearly, yeah. I mean, because okay, if they hadn't found that shoe to then uncover where, maybe the professor or the, um, the Mr. Whipples would have said something like, okay, mm-hmm. fine, I'm arrested. Like, let me give up where he is. Mm-hmm. But let's assume that he wouldn't. Like, let's assume he just kept the professor's hide about or whereabouts yeah. hidden. Like, if the kids had never found that shoe, he literally would have starved to death in a matter of days, or or dehydrated at least, like, in a matter of days. So, yeah, what was the end goal here? Like, kill this dude? Right, exactly. And, like, we didn't see any of the other museum staff, like, helping out. So, did they even know what the professor did with them? Like, would they have? And also, the kids never, like, again, they literally were like, oh, yeah, we forgot about him. The cops maybe wouldn't have known that he was missing because only the kids knew that he was missing and they forgot about it. So like the cops maybe wouldn't even have searched for him until it was too late. So yeah, that one, it started off with a real potential to get dark. You would have had like the British embassy calling (laughs) like the governor of whatever state Coolsville is in. (laughs) Some people say it might be like Florida or something, whatever, like call the governor of Florida. Like, Oh my God, we think there is, we think one of our, like a foreign national is, has been totally Truly. like kidnapped. He's missing. He hasn't been coming to his meetings. Yep. He was supposed to meet with someone at this museum and he never mm-hmm. showed up. The interns reported him missing because he didn't get the coffee order in. Like, I think it would have gotten to like international courts very quickly. And if I were the lawyer for the professor, I would actually be charging those teens with some crimes too. Okay. <sighs> they were technically accessories when you think about it. They knew he was missing and they did nothing to contact the authorities. Like, look, I I get that they had good intentions. They wanted to solve the crime, but you guys are not the police. So you (laughs) at least have to like make it known. Like, Mm -hmm. because maybe the police could have found them faster than the kids did. So it's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm in more, I'm I'm more damaged and more injured now as a professor because it took (laughs) you an extra two days to find me Uh because you didn't call the damn cops. And I heard y'all running around the museum, ruining things and not helping me. Like, Yeah. yeah. Also, I, I love how Shaggy crashed the plane. Yes. I'm going to guess Mystery Inc. does not have any sort of insurance policy. <laughs> I bet Daphne's dad paid it off, though. <laughs> right. But Can you imagine how annoyed her parents probably are with her? Like, why do you keep breaking shit and, like, breaking into buildings? Like, yeah. Like, 
take this blank check and pay off all of the damage. <laughs> and just erase it. Just here you yeah. go, Daphne. And she was like, God damn it, Scooby. Yeah, Scooby <laughs> is the one flying the plane, by the way. So Oh, that explains it. Well, yeah. I don't even think insurance would cover that because that's <laughs> just letting like, your dog fly yeah. anything. <laughs> your rates are going way up if so. Uh-huh. All right. So that's again that whole sh- debacle. Uh, thanks for watching slash listening, everyone. Um I don't know, subscribe and stuff, like, yeah. rate, review. Again, subscribe. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Tell your friends. Share it. Share it. Talk about us. Yeah, talk about Tell us. your friends, tell your coworkers, tell yeah. your clergymen, depending on <laughs> the, the faith practice that you that you participate in. Yeah, if you're tell like everyone. Nice Templar, still tell the other ones. Yeah, the other yeah. Nice. We talk I mean, about like, them. yeah, we're it's it's all for conversation. We're not criticizing them. Yeah. Or the it's crusades, at least in yeah. that video. I mean, we can we can talk about that maybe in bonus content. Bonus content. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, tell anyone. Everyone yeah. likes it. Yeah. If you have any episodes that you want us to do, let us know. Yeah. Us in the comments. Episode but, shows. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be Scooby Doo. Yes. We plan to look into other shows as well. It turns out yeah. a lot of good classic cartoons and animation. Uh, they involve some mysteries and some interesting adventures that mm-hmm. could use nice, some nice storytelling mm-hmm. to break them down. So yeah. any other shows know. you want to hear us talk about, let us know. Great. All right. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmorneMist, all the abreeds, and let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries. Bye.